Welcome to Paint Radio with your host, Andrew Dwyer. Paint Radio, the APC podcast, my favorite part of the week. I love talking and chatting, especially with good friends, friends of APC, friends of the industry, and that is what we have today. As regular listeners know, every once in a while, we get the pleasure of doing a sponsored podcast where a manufacturer comes to APC and says, man, we love contractors. We love what you guys are doing at APC. Can we do a whole podcast? And we love it when manufacturers do that because it just shows such a commitment. And of course, this podcast is sponsored by 3M. Everybody who is in the industry knows that 3M has a commitment, not just to uh, product quality, but also to the painting contractor. And I don't say that because 3M is sponsoring the podcast. I say that because it's obvious. And I think anyone who's been a painting contractor for long knows that. 3M Innovation. If you've had the pleasure of going to Minneapolis and seeing the Willy Wonka world that is the 3M campus, man, it's amazing. It's like its own city. And they have so many engineers and product designers who nerd out in all things surface prep and everything else that they do. So when you can get someone like that on, like I always say, that's a kindred spirit. So that's what we're doing. And specifically, we're talking about surface prep. And we're not just chatting with 3M folks. We've got two fabulous painting contractors with us who are going to talk about their approach to surface prep, sequencing, all that kind of stuff. So as you can tell, I'm pretty excited because I just I love talking to people who love what they do. And that's what we're doing today, talking about surface prep, enjoying what we can learn from the mines at 3M. So let me introduce my guests. Starting with the contractors, we've got Mike Chavez of Mike Chavez Painting in Sonoma, California. Mike, thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Absolutely. And the other contractor, Chad Turpin, he's been on the show before of Turpin's Painting in Evansville, Indiana. Chad, welcome back. How are you? My pleasure. Appreciate you guys having me back. Let's have some fun. From 3M, we've got Kitty Lung. She's a senior application development engineer at 3M. Man, Kitty, I'm going to... What does a senior application development engineer do, Kitty? Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Very happy to be here. So application engineer, we were lab people, so we, we work a lot in the lab. A huge part of us, we work also in the field, so we're trying to basically link the field work that we do with our end users and bring it back to our product uh, developers. And we work with them to uh, make new products and improve our own products. I love it. And Kitty mentions the lab. I can tell you I have made multiple attempts to get into several of the 3M labs. Let me tell you, they have very tight security, and I've never been successful. But uh, I hope that will change sometime soon. Also from 3M, we have Manuel Diaz de Leon, product development and application engineer. Manuel, how are you, sir? Hi, Andrew. I'm very well. Very excited to be here. Thank you for this opportunity. If I were to show up in the morning, do you think you could get me into one of the labs? I don't think so. But Damn it. <laughs> maybe uh, we can... Describe one of the labs for you whenever we have a longer conversation. Man, that's what I mean. Tight security. Okay. So let's, let's get back to Mike and Chad, our contractors and just talk 
a bit about sequencing, how you guys approach a job, not necessarily from a paperwork standpoint, but like who goes in first? Where does surface prep come in? Obviously after job prep, but who is attacking surface prep? Is one person in charge of masking and and somebody else is in charge of sanding. How does that work? Mike, let's start with you. How do your crews attack the sequencing of surface prep? What do you do first when it comes to preparing the surface? That's a good question. Uh, so we would probably start attacking our trim first, right? So that means um, making sure that our trims, we do a light sand on all of our um, door casings, doors, baseboard, window trim, all that type of stuff. We like to do a light sand first usually with like a 120 grit sandpaper and kind of just kind of smooth everything out before we start prepping on it. Walls, if there's any sort of dings and dents, we move to start filling any sort of that stuff. We go ahead and also, uh, if we end up doing any packing or repair work on walls, we do a spot texture if we can. If it's not a big patch, we'll use just a spray can aerosol texture, right, in a can. In California, we we have a lot of orange peel or knockdown texture on our interior walls. So we usually use the aerosol cans to go ahead and match the texture of the room and, and do a spot prime over the top of that. That's kind of our first step surface prep before we apply paint, sanding the trim, getting it ready for paint. Chad, how about you? What If you're talking about interior surface prep, are you, and you're doing multiple rooms in a house, is one crew member in charge of all like trim prep and somebody else does wall prep or do you do it room by room how do you sequence it uh not necessarily uh like i said it's it's different for for any job depending on what we're doing well obviously when we get there to any job we'll do an assessment we have a crew leader a foreman who's going to walk around with me and we'll assess anything that we need to do but no we don't have one particular person that does it but um as we all know as painters the most particular part of any painting project is the prep and what's done first. So our crew leader will kind of assign tasks to, to each of the, the crew members or that he has working with him and uh, kind of go that route with it. But we don't let anybody actually touch a paintbrush until we get the prep part down. So, you know, until you can mask, so you can cover up, so you know how to sand, you know, drywall, trim, caulking, do all that stuff properly. We don't even let people like that touch a brush yet. So if you're coming into the trade new and not with any experience, so prep is the most important part, and we'll, uh, you know, like I said, kind of take everybody through our steps and the way we do things and get them going on that before they can move ahead to, to kind of learn some other tasks. But, uh, you know, our crew leaders are, and our foreman will assign tasks to each to each person. And, you know, if it's a full house, you know, we may attack it differently than if we would if it's just a couple of rooms. So. And, Chad, so certain surfaces need to be masked or taped off, and certain ones don't. And then depending on the surface – you might need a specific type of tape. So who makes that decision? So our crew leader or foreman, he's going to tell, especially if it's somebody with less experience than somebody else. We only have a couple of apprentices, uh, as I would call them right now. So a lot of people on our crews are knowledgeable on, on what to use, what tapes to use on what surfaces, what type of sandpaper and things like that to do. And so I'm sure you have some painters who can cut in without the need for masking, right? And do you have other painters who are who cannot yeah, we and... got, well we got a couple of newer ones that can't um but it just depends certain surfaces we use it certain times we don't it just depends on what we're working around if something you need a cleaner nice line on you know we're going to use tape on and i kind of leave that up to the, some of the crews sometimes you know it's as long as you know they end up with the same 
uh, outcome, it doesn't matter to me if you use tape or you don't use tape. As long as we come to the customer being happy, the quality finish, the product's put on right, and all your lines are straight. If some of our crews are more comfortable with using tape for something, if some of them aren't, I don't have a problem with that. It's just, it's kind of a, I leave it up to some of the crews sometimes to let them determine what they're most comfortable with. Like I said, we have people that range from two years experience to 40 years experience. So I'd say overall, most of our more experienced guys don't use tape as much, um, but there's always different surfaces that you're going to need. The tape's going to come into use, masking floors, masking baseboards, just masking off an area to keep dust or overspray out of a certain area. You kind of learn and we kind of teach people as we go um, to get them up up to speed with everything and make sure they're comfortable with everything. Mike, how about you? So when when it comes to you and deciding uh, what needs taping and what doesn't, is your painter figuring that out, a crew leader, who who makes those decisions? Yeah, I think kind of like Chad was saying, it's very situational. You know, you got guys who are really comfortable cutting color to color without tape. And so that means whether it's, you know, an accent wall cutting corner, you know, corners coming together and you got two colors coming together, right? And one guy might like to use masking tape on one of the walls to make sure that that line is nice and straight. One guy might prefer to cut it straight behind it. Each painter kind of has their skill level. I've got a couple of guys, you know, like Chad, that who prefers to, when they're painting their walls around their, their trim, they like to go ahead and mask that trim off, right? And so that says to me they're just not quite comfortable cutting that color to color without having that kind of safety net, which is totally fine. It's kind of like the end result's got to be what you want it to be, what you're promising your customer. And as long as that's coming out, then, uh, then yeah, it can be situational and kind of lean on my, lean on my team members, my foreman to kind of analyze their, the painters that are working under them and, what they need. Uh, I think the biggest thing is surface protection. That's probably the number one place we use masking and tape and all that type of stuff. And it's just protecting people's floors, protecting people's furniture. Uh, when you're rolling a, a wall, we like to run a piece of masking paper over the, you know, we like to roll, put a piece of masking paper over a door casing, over a window sill. Everything where those kind of sprinkles can drop down on top of when you're rolling over the top of them, right? Just put a piece of paper over the top of it. Top of it. It's really quick to do and it just saves you from having to clean up down the road. I think that all painters use tape and that some just have to use it a little bit more than others. You know, like some guys choose like don't have to because they're too good for it, right? Because I don't think that's the case at all. I think that it's just uh as somebody learns the trade and they're more comfortable in the trade, they use it for different things. Mike, do you tend to carry a ton of different types? Cause there's so many different types of tapes these days, right? Depending on the, on the surface. Do you typically have all the different types in your work vehicles or do you buy them and stock them as needed depending on what the job needs? More than likely 99% of the time we've got blue tape and white tape in the truck. And then as the project needs, say we need delicate surface for something, we'll get that. If we need something for exterior concrete, we'll get that. But 90% of the time, the vans are just stocked. The shop is stocked with one inch white, one and a quarter, one and a half white, and then same sizes for blue. Kitty, let me ask you. So we've got these labs at 3M. We've got all these product engineers. You make, you know, surface specific products. 
but yet you also make products that can be general use and as effective on as many different surfaces as possible kind of feels like that would be a catch-22, right? Because you don't want to over-specialize to make people think that they need a specialty tape for everything. But at the same time, you don't want contractors to think that there's any one tape that can do everything. Of course, the beauty is most of these are really professional contractors, so they understand what can do the job and what cannot. But what is sort of the mindset at 3M when balancing between the two, creating surface-specific tape? Yeah, super, uh, I mean, totally agree with you. And so for tape, I would say that like one of the most important things that we want from 3M, basically like on a 3M perspective is what's the right tape for the right job. And I'm super happy to hear that Chad and Mike have their team uh, prepping their surface and everything. So one of the things is we want to know like the surface, the environment, is it put for inside, outside? And also like how long the tape will be on the surface. So personally, I truly feel that tape is a huge part of uh, uh, the preparation. And yes, at 3M, we, uh, we have different kinds of tape and uh, tapes that are meant for different surfaces. And we generally separate them into like different pillars. So I can go over them uh, later on. No, I want to hear about pillars. Yes. <laughs> go right. ahead, Kitty. Tell us about it. <laughs> Okay, thanks, Andrew. So um, I would say for scotch, uh, painter's tape, and uh, our masking tape portfolio, we have our blue tape. Our blue tape is really categorized as our multi-surface painter's tape. This tape, I would say, would have um, a medium adhesive level on it. Depending on the tape you choose, you can have like 14 days or 21 days uh, clean removal and used on multiple types of surfaces too. So either it's walls, trim, base boards, towel, and glass. And then this category, multi-surface painter's tape or blue tape, we have acrylic adhesives on them. And as you know, like we also have another category uh, at 3M where there's like more rubber, rubber types of adhesive and those type of adhesive would have a stronger adhesive level. So we also have our surface specific painters tape, which have a very strong adhesive level to it. This is our rough surface, our green uh, tape that is meant for concrete, brick, stucco, wood, uh, some lacquer coatings, uh, rough surfaces. And a delicate surface has a gentle adhesive on it, a 60 days clean removal. And these are really used on, on painted drywalls, even like freshly painted walls, uh, 24 hours, wood floors, kitchen cabinets, and some wallpapers. Chad, a quick do you, question for you. Yeah, um, go ahead. Real quick, um, do temperature levels um, affect the length of time that you can leave any of the tapes on the surface based on is it, if it's too hot, if it reaches a certain temperature, or it gets too cold, does that affect the timing um, that you can leave? Yes. The no, thanks. Um, uh, thanks, Chad, for uh, this question. So basically, like our, our tapes, like our rubber adhesive, they would have less UV or like I would say like heat resistance. So when we compare it to our acrylic adhesives. Uh, so like if you take, for example, our Scotch Blue line, uh, our multi-surface painter's tape, definitely 
they'll have like longer clean removal time versus, for example, our uh, 2060 rough surface one, which has only five days. So I would say yes, in terms of the temperature and the environment affects uh, greatly the time that you can uh, clean remove uh, all those tapes. Okay. So even like on the Scotch blue tape, that's, you said like 14 to 21 days. Yeah. If it's, I mean, obviously if you're not, you're not going to be working if it's freezing cold outside, but if it gets too low, you're going to have issues with it. Or if it gets too hot, is that exactly. going to shorten the time length or Definitely. add more time, like shorten the time length? Turn, yeah. Okay. All right. Just curious. That's. No, Man, I love this. I think we should start a new podcast series where we invite manufacturers on and it's shoot questions at 3M and we just bring on contractors and just hit them with questions. Kitty, wouldn't that be fun? That would be great. <laughs> Chad, so when it comes to these more surface specific tape, how do you learn how that works? Is it just a trial and error? Are you going today? In this case, do you go to like the 3M website and try to learn about it? And again, just because 3M's here, you don't have to say yes, man. Let's be honest. We're in the trust tree no, here. Uh, no, we, you know, sometimes it's trial and error. Um, sometimes it's it's just talking to uh, other painters locally in town or even our checking with the paint store here in town, um, seeing what other painters have used. Uh, like I said, just trying to determine if it's the length of time something's going to be on there or, or what we're working on. Uh, what's going to be the best product for it? I don't believe that the delicate surface and rough, I think is rough surface fairly new or newer. Am I wrong about that? I don't feel like that's been out forever. Um, so obviously I think we've all had to learn a little bit um, as these new products have came out to make sure we are using the best product for each surface. But no, I mean, there's, like I said, a lot of it is just going to be uh, trial and error and just using your resources, whether that be the paint store, whether that be a 3M website. Or, you know, just going off your experience and what you've done in the past. Kitty, jump in about rough surface. If I use that to uh, paint yellow lines on my gravel driveway, would it work? Um, yeah. yeah, rough surface is really meant for, like, brick and concrete. Really rough surface. We have the extra strength of that uh, that tape. So very popular, that tape, overall, making it five-day clean removal interior and three-day clean removal exterior. And Manuel, you can chime in on this as well. So both for the 3M people here, again, we're not trying to suck up to Mike and Chad, but I've worked with enough painting contractors. They understand the potential power and impact of a product. And so, you know, they, they want a product to work as well as a manufacturer claims it does. And so they, they have every interest in it being a very effective product. As far as communicating product features and benefits and the proper use of a product, whether it's spackle or masking, anything that 3M makes. Is that a challenge that 3M faces, and how do you overcome that? I know you've got reps, trade shows, your website, but how do you try to educate, in this case, a pretty savvy consumer base when it comes to professional painting contractors on the proper benefits and features of these products that you work so hard to create in the lab? Andrew, that is such an excellent question. Isn't it? I thought so too, Manuel. I'm glad you noticed. So uh, it's quite a challenge. And uh, I guess uh, our strategy is uh, multi-channel communication with end users. Because, well, there's professionals like Chad and Mike that they already know what they're doing. They have experience and they 
try different ways to do the very same things they do every day. But there will be other type of users that have no idea what they are doing, are DIYers, or this is the first time they are going to paint or sand anything. And we try to create content that reaches and resonates with all those, I'm going to say, extreme or opposite sides of the spectrum and everything in the middle. So in our website, and we are starting to work on uh, creating content for social media and stuff like that, that we all take a look from time to time to learn stuff or just to spend time. And um, we have that. We have application engineers, just as Kitty and myself, that go to trade shows spend time on the field and get close to associations of professionals just as PCA. And there's also a content that is shared by our sales reps, as you said. So this multi-channel, multi-level strategy is what we are constantly working on improving. So our end users know how to get the best out of our products. Nice. Well, and as you uh, you mentioned creating content, man, if you need any help creating content on your channels, I happen to know a guy who's been in paint media for a very long time. He's a little annoying, but man, he knows his stuff pretty well. So we'll talk after the podcast and I'll get you his contact info. But it rhymes with wire. Let's talk, <laughs> since Manuel is talking about patching and spackle. Chad, talk to us a bit about your process. I mean, there's so many products now you know, putty, spackle, patching. What do you use the most on your job sites these days, Chad? Most popular products that we use the most are the masking machines. I would say tape, putty, and masking paper. We do use the bondos and things like that too, but we have a, like on our quotes, um, I put out a specific section just for surface preparation. Like I was saying earlier, that's the most important part of any paint job. So on top of the painting that we list and what we're going to do, what type of products we're going to use, we do the same thing for surface preparation. So it's just, you know, we're going in and painting a room. You know, I'm going to list. There's nail holes. We're going to fill them. What products we're going to use all the way down to the walls, ceilings, trim, anything that we're going to do. Same as Mike was saying, we go in, we scuff all trim, doors, anything like that that's going to be painted. Uh, we fill all of our holes, do all of our prep work, obviously, first pulse in the walls and things like that before we do any painting. So, but that's all listed in very detail on our quotes, just and also, which also helps our foreman once they get out on the job site, they know if I came across something different or something standard from what they're going to expect, they know what's listed on that estimate of what we're going to be doing and to be looking for that. So they know, you know, what to expect once they get to the job site. So they'll be looking for, for problems or areas that are having issues. How do you train your painters, Chad, you know, you patch something and then you come through and you sand it before it's fully dried. Good Lord. Now you're just wasting time. Um, so how do you train your painters or who makes the call on making sure you don't jump the gun and making sure enough time has passed and that, that patch is dry? Uh, that's going to be one of our foremen, our crew leaders on site that's going to make a call for something like that. But that's one of those things, you know, we typically do first when we go around it and, and, uh, do, do any kind of paint job or doing any kind of paint job for that matter. So we're going to do all of our prep work first. So most of the times so a lot of that stuff's going to be taken care of and dry before you get back to that. But all our crew leaders are educated enough to make that call on, on what's ready or, or what isn't. 
Manuel, again, the interesting thing about 3M and so many other manufacturers in this industry is that you're producing products for pros who really know their stuff, but you're also producing products and marketing perhaps some of the same products to DIYers and homeowners who frankly don't know much at all. So talk a bit about maybe some of your patching products that you guys are especially geeked about when it comes to the pro products that that really you think are meeting the professional's needs. You know, I was thinking about what Chad just said. People in his crew has experience to make the call when the spackle or repair party is uh, ready uh, to be sanded and painted over. So uh, precisely thinking on that and thinking stuff that is equally useful for professionals and DIYers, we have this color-changing repair compound. I don't know if you guys had a chance to try it. It's blue-colored, and once, once it's dried, it turns to white. And that is sort of one of the innovations that we like to to bring to the table to professionals, but also they're very useful for DIYers. That sort of, I'm going to say, very evidence that the stuff is ready to be sent. Uh, some, sometimes the way we try to aid professionals and DIYers are more subtle. We have also, talking about wall repair, I honestly not, I mean, even though I am very enthusiastic DIYer and I have painting and construction experience, but honestly, I hate working with a screen when wall repairing. I hate it because I can never do sort of at a first try this smooth, not bumpy looking to it. So that's one of the things that I hate the most uh, when, when wall repairing, but we have this screen that you can pass through the wall and you don't have to go over and over trying to disappear a bump that is already in the wall. So you just feel uh, using this screen that goes into the back of the wall, you just fill out the hole and just sign it and pin it over like it was any other place on, on the same surface. So that's another thing that we try to to create for making the job easier for the pros, but also for the DIYers to achieve pro-alike results, eh, even though they have not as much as experience. And there's another thing that Chad said that really caught my attention. Eh, we know some professionals, eh, home improvement professionals, use Bondo to make a lot of repairs around the, the place, the homes and eh, whatever the, the painting project is. And I'm also very enthusiastic of Bondo. And it's such a great alternative to Spackle because sometimes Spackle takes even, depending on weather conditions, even uh, 24 hours to be completely dry. But Bondo, you know, 30 minutes and you're ready to go. And if you fast ride, 50 minutes and you're ready to go. And that is such an important aid, I think, when professionals need to save time and do things faster and I think using Bondo for repairs around painting projects is such a great tool. And I'm really glad to hear that Chad, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume maybe Mike have used it too. And really, really glad to hear that. I love your objectivity, Manuel. Mike, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? 
I was just going to say, yeah, Bondo is also really great for the fact that it dries a lot harder than your normal spackle does, right? So when you're talking about patching like interior wood trim and stuff like that, uh, depending on the size of the area you're patching, it's really the way to go. Mike, talk a bit about your sanding process, man. And I guess we could talk a bit to the 3M people about this, but it's amazing to me the advances in sandpaper, which we don't even call sandpaper anymore over the last, I don't know, five or 10 years. But Mike, you don't need to talk specifically about that, but what's your go-to when you're doing surface prep with sanding? Are you doing a lot of hand sanding? What are you doing? Uh, I would say, once again, it's situational. If you're working on the outside of the house or using orbitals uh, 90% of the time, uh, box sanders sometimes, right, where, you know, you're putting uh, sanding discs on your orbitals or you're cutting up sandpaper in squares and putting it on your box sander. Um, but we like the purple back. Uh, I don't know which grade it is, but it's the purple back 3M sandpaper. It seems to hold up really, really well for us. Um, 90% of the time we use 120 in a lot of circumstances. Uh, what's, what I feel like is nice about 120 sandpaper is it's pretty universal due to the fact that I feel like you can kind of take it and scuff it together to kind of knock it down a little bit and turn it into more of like a, uh, 180 or, or 200 even, you can kind of break down the harshness of it a little bit just by scuffing it together a little bit. And then you can just use it straight up as a 120 sandpaper and it cuts through most things you want it to cut through without leaving heavy grooves or sand, sanding marks and stuff like that. And then just depending on what you're sanding, if you're, if we're doing cabinets, we're probably using 220 on our interior cabinets. And then on the outside of the house, you know, we may go down to an 80 grit or something like that if we're getting kind of aggressive on a um, on an exterior wall uh, or deck or something like that. But um, once again, 120 sandpaper for us for like the inside of a house is pretty much like our go-to. That's interesting. Who needs 180 when you can just scuff up your 120, baby? Yeah. Right? Man, well, I'm sure you love hearing that. <laughs> I do. I definitely do. Progress precision, the purple ones. Uh, those are amazing, and I'm really glad to hear that you use it, and they provide the best performance you need. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Chad, how about you? What can you share as far as how you guys handle your sanding needs? What are your go-to products? Uh, go-to interiors. We love the sanding box for patches. The 3M um, the angle. I prefer the angled sanding pads. I'm just nice for any type of corners that you get into, things like that. Um, we're kind of the same the same way as Mike was stating. We use uh, 120 a lot. That's kind of your go-to. Pretty much covers everything. And we also use the orbital, the the purple back sandpaper. And we use those on our orbitals. Like you said, when you're getting into exterior surfaces, I know we got a big project coming up. Now we're going to be using a lot of that that sandpaper for our orbitals um, and things like that. But interior, you know, we put we'll even go to 80 grit, 120, whole sand the walls with just our paper there. And then, like I said, most of our patches, things like that, we use the blocks and, you know, just depends on what situation you're working on. As Mike was saying, what we're, what we're going to go with. Manuel, do you want to chime in as far as, you know, when they're talking about purple back, do you want to explain what exactly that is so that your big bosses at 3M are like, Manuel, come on, you got to chime in. What, and explain <laughs> what that is. Sure. Uh, so, uh, Progress Precision uh, product line has uh, this thing that was invented by Frame a few years ago. It's called Precision Shaped Gray. 
that is a combination of aluminum oxide with ceramic particles that are made with a specific shape and oriented in a specific direction. So that's definitely a game changer when you are sanding any type of surface because the cutting power and the amount of surface you can sand with a single piece is definitely different than our other abrasives. These precision shade grains are made like with <laughs> the most interesting scientists and the way they are mixed together with aluminum oxide creates such a synergy for uh, working on surfaces that that's why we see different results when we're using them. Man, well, I got to tell you, I'm proud to say that because we did a podcast similar to this, oh, I don't know, a year ago, maybe two, I think it was last year. And and I still remember us, we talked about PSG, which is precision-shaped grain technology, and we talked about glass bubbles. We're not nerding out quite as much on this podcast, but if you want to delve into the key tech of sanding and all things 3M Innovation Man, shame on me for not knowing the exact date or title of that podcast, but look back about a year at paintmag.com, find that podcast Woo! We got into some details, so that was exciting. Well, Manuel, I was going to ask, you know, what new products are you working on? Well, of course, you can't tell us about that because I know more than a few people at 3M have gone, who've disappeared, who shared secrets like that. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Nobody has disappeared from 3M. It's a very, like I said, it's Willy Wonk. It's a very loving group. But any products, maybe they're new, maybe they're just not well-known because, again, you have such an enormous product line. And, again, I'm not sucking up. Anyone who knows 3M knows this. It's ridiculous how many products you have. Are there any products, not just with spackle, but with sanding, even tapes maybe, that you think, man, this is a killer product, but it feels like maybe not enough pros know about? Okay, so you're absolutely right. I'm honestly not... I'm trying not to nerd things up <laughs> with <laughs> technology within our products, but you are absolutely right. There's micro glass beads on the spackle, which make it harder and lightweighted. We have the precision shape grain, that, that the ceramic particles that I told you about that are on our tips. But I'm really excited about something we're preparing, but actually is for Bondo. And it's not like, I'm going to say, technical-wise, but it's more like easy-to-use-wise. We are revamping all Bondo brand, and we have been working on application pre-mixed pouches for Bondo. So it will be easier to use. It would be much, much easier to find. I mean, <laughs> you will not be in the need to find it. We are already giving We'll be giving it to you the correct ratio of hardener and filler that you need to mix for one application. And these pre-mixed pouches for Bondo, I think is such a great way to try to help end users in not worrying about the stuff such as mixing ratios and, you know, how much do I use and just your grab this pouch, mix it, and do your thing. Just keep doing what you already know. Don't worry about this. 
Ethereum can take care of this. So you can go ahead and, you know, just be the paint pro that you already are. We call this project Mixology. And I'm really, really excited when I started first working on it because I do think it's well, one of the things you said, how do we reach to end users? How do we three and make things simpler for them? And this is another way in which we are doing it. Not necessarily by doing tech, but reaching out, listening, having feedback and doing things better. Quick question for you, Manuel, is Chad. When did uh, you guys actually start releasing that product? Because I was actually in the store today and picked up some and noticed it. And I was pretty ecstatic when I found it pre-mixed um, in tubes because that just makes it our process a bit simpler. So super happy you guys came out with that just because it makes it uh, a lot simpler and easier for our, our people on the job site and, and to be less wasteful. Because um, that's probably one thing, too. You, it's hard to mix just a little bit. And sometimes you just have a small spot. So something like that's going to make it much easier. And they come in a variety of tube sizes, I've seen too. So I picked up the 4.5 ounce, but I've seen they had one that's like a giant toothpaste. Well, this is kind of like a small toothpaste, but they have one that's about double, triple the size of that. And the fact that it comes in a tube and, and like I said, we just put it in our vans and, and keep it there all the time, it's, it's nice. So I'm just curious when you guys actually came out with the tube, because I like to stick my head in the store every once in a while and just see what it, what's out, what's new, and if there's something that I'm not missing as far as what could, you know, better our processes. So pre-measure pouches will be launched next year. Uh, the idea is you, you will find them everywhere you already get bundled. And I'm excited you'll find this idea useful. But next year, uh, the, those will be on stores. Okay, so what's the difference in that in the glazing and spot putty bondo um, that comes in a tube pre-mixed? Is that different? Okay, that, that's also such a great question. So the, we, we call them one part chemistry and two part chemistry. One part chemistry is glazing that comes in a tube. Glazing is, it's really great for like details and repairing like small holes and stuff like that. Glazing is not as hard as the filler mixed with the hardener as the two part chemistry. So that's one difference. Second difference would be these pre-measured pouches will, as I said, comes in the, all the different presentations that we have bundled already. The original formula, uh, the fast drying wood filler, and um, extreme metal strength filler, all those. And glazing only comes in one formula. So that's sort of the two big difference with, with this. And the... Um, the, the, the main idea, as you, uh, as you just said, we're trying to keep you guys away from wasting product and wasting time thinking, oh, it, did I put too much hardening on it? Oh, is it too little? And that's why we're working on that. Excited for that. Interesting. You know, here's a, here's a free idea from the mind of me. Use these basically paintball technology and come up with balls filled with patch. With someone like me with a lot of energy and desire to help, but really not much skill. And you put that into some sort of paintball gun where I can just kick the door in and basically shoot all the holes with pre-mixed patching. And I've done my job. I can leave and then Mike and Chad's boys can come in and, and finish the job. Not really fix my mistakes because I've already helped so much. I've patched those holes with my paintball patches. That's a free idea for you, Manuel. We'll talk about it later. 
I think this could be huge, right? No, then, yeah, it sounds, honestly, it sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> the first it time does sound fun. I think it's fun. Okay, now I got it. So Work but, should be fun. 3M material, Andrew. <laughs> okay. Guys, this has been fun. Loved, and man, Manuel, again, we have mad love, mad respect for nerding out because to me, that just means we, we love what we do. We take it seriously. And yes, let's dive into the details because that's fun. And that's what we do. And that's why I love having people on from 3M because there's such a passion for what they do. And of course, love having contractors like Mike and Chad because they're so professional and, and we can all learn from them. Manuel or Kitty, do you want to mention, you know, where I mean, good Lord, the 3M website is just vast and has so much information. Is there any anywhere specific that you'd want to point painting contractors to where they might be able to find information? Um, Definitely. We have our uh, website, r3m.com slash propainter. We also have our YouTube channel that has a lot of great resources on it. So our 3M, uh, our um, YouTube channel, Scotch Painters Tape, would be a great resource also for masking uh, tapes. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you to 3M. Like I said, I've been doing this for a long time. There are very few companies who are so product-focused and also contractor-focused as 3M. And I can tell you from a publishing standpoint, when you're in editorial, whether the editor of a magazine or or publisher, not all manufacturers are the same, right? Some are more reliable than others. And so from a a content standpoint, I've always been able and my staff has always been able to count on 3M to really provide stellar content, Meaning it's not just 3M promotional stuff. It's, it's about how to do things the right way. And, and that's awesome. And that's what this podcast is all about. That's what APC is all about. So Kitty Lung, senior application development engineer and Manuel Diaz de Leon, product development and application engineer at 3M. Thank you both for being on this podcast and making it happen. This was a lot of fun. It was great. Thank you, Andrew and Thanks, Mike. Andrew. Absolutely, Manuel. And I'm going to follow up on this paint gun uh, idea. You and I are going to retire early because of this. Uh, (laughs) Mike, Mike Chavez of Mike Chavez Painting in Sonoma, California. Thank you, sir, for being on the podcast. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Next time we uh, do this, if we do this again, I'll uh, make sure I get this microphone situation figured out. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair enough. And Chad Turpin of Turpin's Painting in Evansville, Indiana. Chad, thanks for rejoining us on Paint Radio. I appreciate you guys having me again, and uh, it was fun. A lot of good information there. I hope it uh, helps some people got some good information and things to take away from it. When I think of 3M, I think of 3M as more of a protection rather than just worrying about a clean line or something like that, for instance. I mean, there's so many products as far as just healthcare. You got protection. You're protecting people's health. You're protecting with respirators. You're protecting people's um, houses, interior, exterior, all those things. Absolutely. And I, all joking aside, I think this, uh, this ask a question of a, of a manufacturer idea is something we should do and just have like a short, like 30 minute podcast and, and get some questions pre-qualified in advance. That would be a lot of fun. It's like an audio trade show. So I love what I do here at APC. That's why I've been doing it so long. And if you enjoy these podcasts or you want additional resources on how to run a better painting company, Man, we've got what you're looking for at PaintMag 
com, whether it's videos or podcasts, certainly articles from the magazine, and, of course, our social channels that connect you with fellow kindred spirits and painting contractors. It's all waiting for you at paintmag.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.